We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Namor NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. And that is what I'm talking about a normal basketball game. The expectation for this Timberwolves team without Cat is just to do normal stuff, keep us engaged, even if it's frustrating for four quarters. That's it, at least for me, on my behalf. Just give us something to talk about, like Jared Vanderbilt or Wancho's shot going in, just, just something. Honestly, I, I don't expect wins for this group. They're kind of just a bunch of misfit sort of toys when they're playing without Cat. Th- this roster was put together to be a group of guys that accommodate Cat. And without Cat, just to me, losing, losing makes sense. I am fine with the Wolves losing to the Nuggets by seven tonight. Now, that doesn't mean there weren't things that went wrong, too. We'll get into those. The fourth quarter was a disaster. And the Rubio-Russell pairing is just not working out together. But those are normal things. That's what normal teams do. They have positives. They have negatives. Just be normal. That's the bar. Be a normal bad team with your best player out. Normal bad teams give guys opportunities. And new opportunities are exciting because you can learn about players in real time. And And I think that's the place to start tonight with Jared Vanderbilt showing us who he is. So observation one from tonight is that Jared Vanderbilt isn't just some theoretical piece. He's a player that can be used as a real weapon. Now, credit words do. Many of you have been on the play Vanderbilt train for a while here. But I think you know what I mean when I say theoretical. Like, this was all kind of baked in theory, right? And I, I mean, I was with you in that theory. I, I said after that Lakers game that I would start Vanderbilt going forward. They're just too small. But it was theoretical that Jared Vanderbilt would play well. 
that. I mean, we'd only seen him in garbage time. It was impossible to know that he would do this. Really, tonight was pretty, it was pretty much the first meaningful minutes Vanderbilt has played in his entire career. He'd only played over 10 minutes in a game once in his two-year career prior to tonight. That, and that was, that was 12 minutes back in a game in his rookie year. Tonight was far and away his career high in minutes at 24. I, I went to clean in the glass, and they what they do is they, they filter out garbage time stats for players on their site. And according to them, before tonight, 99 of Vanderbilt's 149 career minutes came in garbage time. So, so he's played, so he, or I, I did the math wrong there. 99 of Vanderbilt's 159 career minutes came in garbage time. So he'd only played 60 minutes, 60 minutes of real competitive NBA basketball before playing 24 minutes tonight. And he, uh, t- tonight against Nikola Jokic. But still, I mean, damn, he looked, he looked great in those minutes. The Wol- I mean, when, when he checked in the game, the Wolves were down 40 to 27. And it was like two and a half minutes into the, into the second quarter. And then boom. The rest of that quarter played out nine and a half minutes, and the Wolves were up 65-62 at halftime. And so much of that was Vanderbilt. If you watch the game, I mean, the activity on offense is pretty obvious. He's just he's an absolute animal on the offensive glass. The system allows him to do that. And then just in sort of bit spots, he's a legit threat as a role man. I mean, when, when was the last time the Wolves had a real lob threat? Like, seriously, I, I started thinking about it. I started going back, like, Tibbs, years, even the Sam Mitchell year, like – who is it? I, I I don't even know, but 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 that's the but Vanderbilt could do that, and 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 he is he is going to be a weapon for this team offensively. But for me, as I'm taking notes during the game, I I kept noting his defense, and I think on this team, given this group, that's the thing, that's the area where Vanderbilt will be most impactful. He's clearly a good pest on the ball. You're seeing that both when he's just defending the big in the post, or or on a switch onto a guard. But but I think it's it's his it's his help side defense that will be most impactful. I mean, this team we've talked about it before. A lot of guys who struggle off ball. There's so many guys on the team who are either late to help, they're too physically undersized to help in a way that matters, or they just altogether don't help. And Vanderbilt knows how to work that little area above the top of the charge circle. And and then he when he's there, he's also athletic enough to not just be in the way when he's there, but also to contest shots. And, and you got to get that guy on the floor. Saunders did tonight. But my question is, I, as I think about this going forward, is, is where? Who does Vanderbilt play with, and, and when does he play? I know some of you are probably thinking, like, oh, my God, like, don't suggest not playing Vanderbilt. I'm not. I'm, I'm saying he should play. But we do need to acknowledge that there are some obstacles here. V- Vanderbilt has exclusively played the five. And, and I'm just telling you, he's only going to play the five in the system offensively because he can't shoot. That's just, that's just a fact. So be mad about that if you want, but that he's a five. So how do you get that player out there more? I asked Saunders about that post game. Ryan, what's kind of been the uh, just the the thought process with Jared uh, Vanderbilt in, in just wanting to get him into the rotation and and finding him spots and doing so tonight? And then how do you kind of see that happening going forward at the four versus the five? Yeah. Uh... I've wanted to try to find him, find him some minutes, and um, he he helped himself tonight. Um, you know, when we lacked lacked, uh, you know, some I guess some energy or, you know, some of those intangibles um, at times. He, uh, you know, he came in and gave those to us. And you know, playing with a guy like Cat, you know, Cat poses, um, you know, some problems. Uh, or he poses some some problems for defenses where he can play inside as well as out. 
And, uh, you know, that, that allows Jared to, you know, I guess offensively he's playing the five, defensively he's playing the four. So um, he definitely helped himself tonight. And that, d- does that work with Nas too? I mean, Nas obviously can shoot it. He hasn't, he's been kind of talked about being tepid about shooting this year, not really feeling his shot. Do you see those two being able to play together? Yeah, yeah, I do. And, you know, we, we were looking to get to that. Um, then Nas, you know, picked up a fifth and we ended up just going with Jared at the five. Um, so, you know, we're, we're still, still finding things out with this group. So for those of you who want to see Vanderbilt, you know, keep a real role, Ryan talking there about tonight, them wanting to get Vanderbilt and Nas out there together. I think that's big. I think I, I see that as Vanderbilt's path to minutes going forward. I mean, but there's a predicament. I mean, it has to be in those minutes because Okogi is coming back next game or, or so it seems. So you not only are adding another player into your rotation, which is big because you you know, they're already at 10, but you have another big man, quote unquote, and Okogi coming back because remember, Okogi was playing the four a lot. And I'm not saying that Okogi just coming back rules him out because obviously you can kind of, you can slide him more into wing minutes alongside Wancho when Wancho's in at the four. And, and you know, that should still leave a spot at the back, you know, as, as the secondary backup big um, next to Nas. As Ryan said, like defensively, Vanderbilt could play at the four and offensively at the five. That, they prefer that next to Cat, but you know, in interim Cat's not there, and, and Nas is the Nas is the Cat facsimile. But again, like I said, the, the problem is adding a Kogi makes it an eleven player rotation, and and it's just easier to it's easier said than done to to play eleven players. You know, you you start cutting down forty eight more. Or, not 48 more minutes, but you start cutting down in into the minutes available there, and it's it's harder for guys when you're playing 11 for those six bench guys to for them to catch a rhythm. So I mean, I think if if they want to go to a 10 man rotation, and and that would make sense, then someone has to get pinched out if Vanderbilt's going to play. I'm just they're not going to pinch out Nas. They clearly love him, and you know though he played bad tonight, got in foul trouble. Nas has largely been good this year. They're also, the, you know, the next most obvious spot to go would be the other big, would be at Davis. But they're also probably not going to pinch Davis out. I mean, Davis is their only good screen setter, and that matters when you run in your offense through D'Angelo Russell when you run wanting to run pick and roll game. And Davis also showed us tonight, and in both of these Denver games, that he's their best post defender. Remember, like, it, yeah, you're done with Jokic, but you move on to Yusuf Nurkic next game on Thursday in the Blazers. And then their next two opponents after that are LaMarcus Aldrich from the Spurs, Jonas Valanciunas and the Grizzlies. Like, you need to have Ed Davis in the rotation against those teams. So I think the person that would get pinched would have to be a small forward. And and the answer there, you know, that you would go to would be Jake Lehman, right? The problem, I guess, I get to there is I can't see Saunders just cutting Lehman out completely. I mean, it might not be the same level of love they have for Nas, but, like, they clearly like Lehman. That's why he started at the beginning of the season. So, I don't know. I mean, maybe they go with an 11-man rotation because there just aren't really any other candidates for cutting out if you want to play Vanderbilt. I mean, obviously Culver's going to play. Edwards is going to play. But you you can get – it doesn't need to be directly a big for a big if you're putting Vanderbilt in. You can – you can. That's the positionless, positionless basketball. That's the advantage of it. You can you can get a little funky with it. So I don't know. We'll we'll see how this plays out. I'm just noting now that you know a big reason that Vanderbilt played at all tonight 
was because Nas got in foul trouble. He picked up his third foul early in the second quarter. It, it does seem impossible that Saunders could ice Vanderbilt out of the rotation after what he did tonight, but we do have to acknowledge that it's, it's easier said than done to squeeze him in. Let's take a quick break here, and then I'll be back with Observation 2. Hey everyone, want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take their podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive cover art for your pod, Q&As with Blue Wire podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of uh, tips and tricks that we all use. On top of that, we'll get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google Stitcher, all those listening platforms. And what I can tell you from my own experience is it costs more than $15 a month to host your own podcast. Blue Wire Hustle only charges that, which is the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box to find out more. That's bwhustle.com slash join. All right, speaking of rotations and Saunders, as we were before, observation two is that these past two games against Denver completely fell apart in the beginning of the fourth quarter. Now, you think back to the first Denver game and how the Wolves, they were rolling in that third quarter. Remember, D'Lo was going off. He had six assists and like 10 points in the third quarter. And, and they were up by one entering the fourth. Obviously, they had to, you know, had to sit him down and rest him before coming back to close the game. And, and to do that, Saunders went with a group of Rubio, Beasley, Edwards, Lehman, and Davis to start that quarter. You know, Saunders was trying to steal time in that game so he could, you know, with that group, so he could close with both D'Lo and Nas, who were playing really well. But within three and a half minutes, that Rubio and Davis group got outscored by nine, and Saunders scrambled back to put in D'Lo and Nas probably earlier, earlier than he wanted to, but the hole was already too big. Momentum was gone, and they lost that game, that first game by 15. And then tonight was the same thing. They, they, they were winning again, entering the fourth quarter. This time they were up by three, and, and Saunders had to, again, try and find a group to survive with until closing time. So this time he goes with Rubio again, Beasley again, Edwards again, Lehman again. And then because Vanderbilt was, you know, in the rotation this time, it was Nas instead of Davis that he went there with, with, the, with the center in that group. Saunders was trying to, this time, rest D'Lo and Vanderbilt and Wancho, who was playing well, so that they could close the game. But it was the same result. Within four minutes this time, the lead was gone, and they were down by four. I mean, if you watched the game, you saw it. It was all Jokic. Jokic scored six points on Nas right away in that stretch. And then, and then Monte Morris hit a three, and that's where the game fell apart. Now, to be fair, like, you know, Saunders has limited options. There's not, like you can't just play your best five. Like to some extent blowing a lead with that group makes some sense when you're playing, when Jokic is out there, when you're playing against them. I, I mean, you can't, like Saunders can't just start the quarter with Vanderbilt after Vanderbilt played the last seven minutes of the third quarter. That just, just nobody does that. But I think as, you know, in hindsight here, in my opinion, he should have gone with that Davis to start the fourth. So Davis could guard Jokic. If we learned from the game before, before, like, they were going to run through Jokic there. 
that's what they do with that group. You know, that's what they did the game of four. And, and Davis is a better matchup on Jokic just in, in those post-up situations. And you know what? Quite frankly, I'm surprised Saunders didn't do it because, right, we know he thinks Davis is the best matchup for Jokic. Like, the, he illustrated that by moving Davis into the starting lineup before this little Denver series. So what I'm thinking happened was that Saunders didn't trust that five-man group with Davis in because in the last game, the offense just crumbled in the fourth with Davis next to Rubio, surrounded by Lehman and Beasley and Edwards. And, and you know, these are the, these are the, the hard questions. This is the, when you have a roster that's missing two of its better players and wasn't a great roster to start, I mean, you got to kind of be perfect here in these spots. And hindsight, again, is 2020, of course, but that's where this game slipped away too. Again, the beginning of the fourth quarter. So Saunders hasn't found ways in, in the beginning of these fourth quarters to sort of stem the tide into closing time. And, you know, that's that, that kind of feels like what Dilo was talking about with the whole learning how to lose thing. Like, they lost it. They lost it in, in that chunk of time in both games against Denver. My final observation tonight, and I think probably, like, I mean, credit to Vanderbilt, but Juancho Hernan Gomez just coming all the way back from the dead. I mean, that was... That was big. That was big. I mean, not just for this one game, but, you know, for for the future. They're invested in Wancho, and I think that matters. It mattered that that happened tonight. And, you know, get to Wancho, but I, I just want to say we're not going to talk any D'Lo tonight. I feel like we've been doing, you know, plenty of that, and it's not because D'Lo didn't have a good game. He did. I thought he did a great job of picking his spots. It was kind of like, a, like quietly or look up, and you're like, oh, he has 25? I mean, he finished the game with 33 points on four of nine shooting from three. D'Lo even made nine free throws, you know, so so credit there. Like, D'Lo, you know, D'Lo played pretty well. But I'm going to leave the D'Lo topic for my conversation tomorrow morning with Britt Robson because I think the interesting element of the whole D'Lo thing, the thing to parse, is that this D'Lo and Rubio pairing is just not working at all. And I just don't want to talk about it tonight because um, I'm sick of talking to myself about it. So, Wancho, that's what we're going to do. And holy – I mean, Jesus, Wancho had 21 points in the first half. On 8 of 11 shooting, he was 5 of 7 from deep. And and again, just like the Vanderbilt thing, um, it wasn't one-dimensional. I mean, Wancho maybe only had three rebounds in that first half, but I thought he fought really well on the interior. The whole game, they didn't really get bullied on the interior, which is, I mean, maybe for the first time, like, all season. And, and Wancho was actually a big part of that. He was making defensive plays. Again, that two that first half, two big steals. He had a block. I mean, it, it was it was an impressive performance by Wancho, and and you know it, it gets you thinking about you know that that player that Wancho Hernan Gomez after the deadline last year, who was good, averaged like fourteen a game, shot forty two percent from three. But I, I mean, this was even better. Wancho never scored twenty points in any of his fourteen games post deadline, and he had twenty one in the first half tonight. And, and the reason it was bigger, the reason it was more impactful was because he wasn't just a spot-up shooter. The shooting definitely got him going, but he didn't just shoot. He hit, yeah, he hit five normal catch-and-shoot threes in the first half. Those were big. And then that one bomb from deep, and he kind of had that fading heat check. But five of seven, like, the, the heat check felt justified. To me, what stood out was, that was the other possessions, the, the, the other stuff he did. There, there was one play, you might remember this because it ended in, like, 
in that Malik Be- Malik Beasley um, Euro step to the basket. I don't know, maybe if you're watching the game or seen that circulated on Twitter or something. But but that play started with a nice little sideline DHO with Beasley and Hernan Gomez, where you know they were the only two on that side of the floor. Wancho handed it to Beasley and immediately just dove down to the post, where Beasley fed him because the action was quick, so Monte Morris had to switch on to Wancho. It's not all your Wancho, and you got Morris on your back, and you start looking to go into him. Jokic came over and immediately doubled, so Wancho kicked it back out to Beasley, who had who had repositioned himself back up top, and then Beasley caught it and did what he did. He attacked. He it was that Euro step play. I mean, go if you go back and see that if you if you can look at the highlights or something. It was Wancho and Beasley do really have a synergy, and it's they know what each other are good at, and and are just as inclined to look for themselves as they are for the other person when they're working in action there. So, I, you know, I just – I don't think those extra plays from Wancho necessarily happen unless he has his confidence going. And and in the post game, he talked about that a little bit. Wancho, you told us yesterday that you, you felt like your shot was close to, to getting back to normal. Um, what was the difference for you tonight, especially in that first half? Oh, you know, I, every day I – I feel a little bit better uh, getting in shape. It was just a matter of time, um, and that's it. Yes, you know, be more aggressive. Um, help the team in. Help the team when I when I open when I make the opens looks. It's easier to deal out to you know play pick and roll or or they got a switch so he got a mismatch there, and it's it's easier to the team. Wancho, was there just some relief on your part to finally see this kind of come through, or how were you able to kind of maintain? a mental focus when it wasn't going well for you earlier in the season? I mean, I, I know me, I know my body. There's going to be days like you don't make and there's going to be days like you're going to make five, six threes. Um, I try to be the same. I don't think I'm better suited today than the, than the day before when I make five or I don't, I, I don't make anyone. Keep, con- keep consistency, um, work hard on my shot. I know how many hours I put on my, on my shot since day one. So, you know, uh, when I got open look, uh, let it fly. Let it fly and just keep, keep being consistent. Wancho did let it fly tonight. Obviously, seeing a few go down is big for him in developing, like, mid-game confidence. But I think just being a starter is also really important for him. He's one of those guys. It, I think it seems like a good move by Saunders to have put Wancho back into that role. And now even with a Kogi coming back, I think it should stay that way. Now, Okogi can still start, and Okogi can still defend, you know, the Blake Griffins of the league when that time comes, if Wancho can't guard him. But if Wancho is playing confidently, Okogi doesn't need to exclusively play the four. That can be a bit role for Okogi, and he can be more on the wing, just as in general, like most 6'4 guys. And I think that that's this is what we're talking about with the puzzle. Like, once you have some of the guys making sense in their role and in who they are, the puzzle for Saunders feels like it, it kind of becomes manageable again. Those LA games and the Washington game, it was, you just had so many broken holes based on the fact that you had nothing at the four that it was, it, you were just immediately sinking. I mean, yes, it, it, so long as Cat's out and you're playing another team that's healthy, like the Wolves are going to be at a talent deficit probably every night. But when the guys are actually playing their games, you can begin to make out who they are. And, and you can actually, you know, if they play well, you could win. You can make up that talent deficit. 
And, I, you know, I think it would I think it would be big for Saunders and just for this roster if Wancho can help outline who he is during this catalyst period. You know, the, the Wancho problem, it was kind of shaping up to be concerning in the same way that the D'Lo Rubio thing has become a problem. And that's because, you know, like D'Lo and Rubio, Wancho's a long-term piece. And, and he isn't playing out of position. Like, that excuse isn't there. He doesn't have the Jarrett Culver excuse of like, oh, all of a sudden I'm playing the power forward. And like, no, Wancho, you are a power forward. You were signed to be a power forward. This is how you play. Like, yes, Cat isn't there, but, but you should be able to be who you were signed to be during this time. And, you know, it, it's just Wancho should play well during this time. He should play like the $7 million, $7 million a year player that he was signed to be. And that... Seven doesn't set the expectation that this type of performance is the standard. Like, not at all. But it does imply that it's in the mix. If Wancho's going to have games where he looks lost and doesn't really belong, and I think those are going to happen, then these type of nights are a requirement to occasionally happen to balance things out. And then then, then it's on Saunders, right? To read Wancho in the flow of the game and adjust the rotation accordingly. That's... That's the play. I just think tonight it was big to see Wancho actually kind of catch a rhythm, and and now you've, now I think pretty much everyone on this team has has, has shown a game where you're like, oh yeah, this is what you were brought in to be. So a little bit shorter of a post game pod tonight, um, but like I said, that's because I'll be recording with Britt Wednesday morning. That'll post Wednesday late afternoon ish, um, and so we'll, we'll get to that before the before the Portland game. The next Portland game uh, is Thursday against the Blazers. And, and before that game, too, I will do another pod. Um, my friend Steve DeWald, who, who covers the Blazers, he's going to jump on the show. We're going we're gonna to preview that game. So look for that one on Thursday morning. And I, I'm excited for the Blazers game. I, I think I've, you know, we've drawn this sort of Wolves-Blazers parallel um, from a lot of the roster overlap or, or just the David Vanderpool connection. But they're the team I've probably watched the most of um, this season, non-Wolves. And I'm excited to talk to Steve about a few of my thoughts there. Just, just in that, I think what the Blazers are are an evolved, a couple stages maybe evolved version of what the what the Wolves are trying to be. So, so again, look for that with Steve on on Thursday. I appreciate you listening to all these. Um, lots of Wolves games means lots of podcasts. I do, I do want to not just be doing gamer pods. I want to be looking ahead. For me, I. I would like to get a lot of these sort of film review things where I've watched the next opponent kind of talk about the rest of the league a little bit. So I'm going to try and be mixing those in as well too. And and then the gamer pods, they're not so bad if the Wolves look like a normal bad team. Like be a normal bad team in Cat's absence. And they're still pretty fun to do. So more like tonight, like this is the bar. They, they lost and it, and it was it was still fine. Um. Britt will be on with me tomorrow. Until I talk to you tomorrow with Britt. I am Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man. I hope it never stops, yeah. Green and hot so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you're dancing like nobody else. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. 
Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.